Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And today, um, in the United States of America, which is where your humble servant broadcasts his podcast, from where your humble servant broadcasts his podcast, um, today is Memorial Day. Um, Memorial Day is an annual day where those who have lost their lives in the service of the military uh, for the United States are remembered and commemorated. Um, you know, there were, there were at times back before the coronavirus, there would be parades. Um, but it's a, it's a somber day. Um, not exactly. A lot of people, you know, tend to do things like, oh, happy Memorial Day. Because unfortunately... For all too many people, Memorial Day is the start of summer. Uh, The Memorial Day weekend, the long weekend, that's when everyone goes down to the beach. I mean, in New Jersey, where I live, it's very common, you know, it's like, okay, now we can officially start summer, so let's all go, and we have barbecues, you know, on Memorial Day, um, and it's just, you know, it becomes a partying event. Uh, because again, I don't know who said this about, oh goodness, every, every significant event, Americans are very good at being like, how can we turn this into an excuse to party and drink and, and do all sorts of other stuff? And so uh, <laughs> Memorial Day is really no different, which is a shame because, again, it is a time to remember um, all of those who have given their lives uh, in defense of the country, from the the various wars that have been fought, operations that have been uh, carried out, um, it it is a very somber day, and it should be treated with respect. Uh, it's not a day that you know you don't have to sit in the house all day, you know, in the dark with your head down. But you know, it's it's also it's something you know to to be mindful of. And usually, um, in Arlington, uh, you know, there's a wreath laid at the the tomb of the unknown soldier. Um, pretty much every country has one of those tombs, you know, for the people that, uh, you know, they couldn't always tell, you know, who the body belonged to. I mean, today, with forensics and, and with our tremendous advances in science, you know, it, it has become a lot easier. But still, it's a reminder of, of who, you know, how there were so many people um, that have died for various countries in various wars. And, you know, their bodies, you know, recovered without knowing who they were. They stand as a reminder, you know, of the cost of, uh, you know, uh, fighting. And, you know, there's the famous saying, you know, freedom isn't free. It certainly is not. And but all the more reason to be very judicious with um, the lives of those people who are going in. I actually had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, the other day we were talking about, um, we were actually talking about military service and the government and how um, it's, you know, it, it is not a requirement in the United States that you have any military service um, in order to become president of the United States, vice president of the United States, uh, anything. I mean, you can become a governor, whatever, you know, you senator, representative, you don't have to have military experience. And in ancient Rome... You know, basically, when you went through the cursus on arm, you were, from the beginning, 
you know, the military was extremely important. You did not become a consul. I mean, basically, the consuls were the men who led the military out. So, you know, the head of state personally led the military uh, in, in Roman times. And even into the imperial age, the emperors would lead people out. You know, they'd lead armies out, I'm sorry. Um, so there's a question, was, should you have to have served in the military in order to be president of the United States? Should you have to? And um, the argument this friend was making was, you know, basically that until you've been in a situation, in a, in a, in a combat situation... Which, by the way, is different than serving in the military, as they pointed out. Because, like, you know, I've, I've known people in the military. I've, I have several friends and relatives who have been in the United States military. Various branches, Marines, Army, Navy. Um, you know, uh, don't really, the Air Force, not yet. But, you know, probably in some time I'll, I'll, I'll have one of them, too, in the family. Um, some of them, you know, served uh, eight years in the military, four years in the military, and, you know, the closest they came to combat was, you know, uh, driving to, uh, you know, the local uh, on Saturday mornings to drill. Uh, other people that I've known in the military have fought in different conflicts. Um, several of them in Iraq have uh, been wounded, been engaged in firefights. Uh, you know, I mean, stuff that, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into in detail, but the bottom line is that you can be in the military and still not have been in any kind of a combat. But this friend was arguing that, you know, before someone decides they're going to just ship soldiers off to go and fight and possibly die, they should have an understanding of what that's like. They should have some experience. You know, it's, it's uh, the old saying that, you know, the, the, the people who are most against war are the ones who have fought in a war uh, because they know what it's like and they don't, they don't want that situation to ever have to happen unless it's a last resort. Um, today, it's becoming more and more difficult to find any potential candidates who have served in the military in, in the sense of in a, in a wartime footing. I mean, I, it's now we're back onto that because of the Iraq war and everything, but for a while... You know, post Vietnam, there really wasn't a lot going on. So if you were, if you were growing up in the late seventies, eighties, into the nineties, you know, uh, there wasn't really a whole lot, uh, you know, that the U.S. military was directly doing. Not like after that, you know, with the invasion of Iraq and, you know, the troops in Afghanistan. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. I mean, obviously, the current president uh, has no military experience, um, you know, and uh, before him. Uh, you know, uh, President Obama also, no military experience. Um, George W., yeah, I mean, you know, there was the Texas uh, Air National Guard. Um, he was there. Um, Al Gore, obviously, uh, you know, he, I he was a journalist in Vietnam. I think he, you know, kind of just stayed in, uh, he stayed in Saigon at the time, or Ho Chi Minh City, as it is now. Um, I know John Kerry obviously fought in Vietnam uh, multiple times, uh, wounded. Uh, so I just think it's an interesting thought. I mean, myself, uh, I have no military experience at all, um, you know, uh, and and I am now well over the age where, you know, I would be, uh, I mean, in order for me to get drafted, we used to have a joke, it made more sense, you know, 30 years ago. But the joke was, in order for someone like me, you know, I'm 4F status, in order for someone like me to have to fight, uh, you know, the Russians would have to be, 
you know, rolling, uh, rolling down uh, Broadway in New York City. Um, it, it made a lot more sense when the Soviet Empire was around, trust me, okay? But, um, yeah, so, anyway, Memorial Day, uh, a somber day, and it should be something that people think about, you know, what, what's going on and, and the cost that, you know, many people have paid in the past. You know, whatever you feel about the operations, whatever you feel about the wars, it's still something that these people uh, went out there and, and, you know, many of them didn't come back home. So, well, they're home now, you know, they're in Arlington and other cemeteries. Um, so I wanted to just get that out of the way because, like I said, you had a discussion about that and, and it is Memorial Day. So uh, the other thing I just wanted to talk about today for a little bit, um, it's now we're in the second phase of the, uh, what we call the Democratic primaries. If you haven't listened to my podcast, um, this was a few weeks ago on the Democratic primaries, um, by all means, go back, uh, listen to it. You can pause this one right here, okay? Go back, listen to that. And I talk about, you know, it's, it's a very interesting scenario. I mean, right now, Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee. Um, it's all over but the official, you know, awarding him, uh, you know, at the convention. Whether they'll have a convention or not, I don't know. That's still being debated. I mean, personally, I think it would be ridiculous to have a convention um, you, know, you could you could have a virtual convention. I know in the past the conventions were the opportunity for everyone to kind of get together, and you know it was it was a a couple of days of just partying. If you were a hardcore you know Democrat or Republican, you know I mean, heck, the Republicans are going to have a convention. Nobody's running against President Trump. Okay, he's he's the nominee. There's really no reason you don't have to have a convention. Um, but you know people want to have it because again in the past. You know, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to the convention, honey, I'll be back in a few days, you know, and then you went down there and it was basically, you know, uh, <laughs> it was like spring break for political junkies, you know, and uh, there was a lot of stuff going on down there. But anyway, uh, I, I don't know if the Republicans will still have theirs. Apparently they're going ahead with it. It's supposed to be down in North Carolina, but right now there's been a little bit of a debate between the governor and President Trump because of <laughs> the coronavirus and because of opening how many people will be allowed in. Um, I don't know that right now, Democrat or Republican, because let's be honest, the coronavirus does not really care. Um, doesn't care at all whether you're a Republican, Democrat, white, black, anything, you know, Christian, Jew, Muslim, whatever. It's going, to, you know, its job is to kill you. And it's doing a fairly decent job at that, unfortunately. Better than what it could have been. But it also could we could have done a uh, what I mean by that is that it's it's uh, it's not doing as good a job at killing as you know because we've been taking certain actions. But there's a lot of evidence that had we started things up earlier, you know, we we could have maybe saved either more lives. Uh, unfortunately, that's you know that's it's all over now. I mean, you can't go back. So you know that's all there is to it. Um, but right now, the big question on everyone's mind is who is Joe Biden going to pick for a vice presidential candidate? Now, um, Mr. Biden did kind of paint himself into a, a little bit of a corner because he made the announcement very clear he's going to have a female VP. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, we've, we've had a couple of women run as VPs before. Uh, good old Geraldine Ferraro. On the major parties, I, I know someone will you know, be like, well, in, 
19, you know, 80, the, you know, Democratic Constitutionalist Party of, you know, the West ran a few, no, I, I get it. I know women have run. I'm not saying to discredit them. I'm talking about the two major parties right now in the United States, the Democratic and Republican parties. Uh, Geraldine Ferraro ran 1984 under Walter Mondale. Um, unfortunately, one of the most lopsided elections uh, in the history of this country for uh, Ms. Ferraro. Um, but is a very intelligent woman, very, very well-spoken. Um, you know, she was knowledgeable, would have made an excellent VP, but didn't win. Um, and then, of course, Sarah Palin. Um, I get why John McCain did it. Uh, I, I totally do. Um, you know, because they were like, well, we've got this female governor and, you know, this will be the opportunity you know, we could seize the woman vote. And also, she's younger, you know. The reason you pick a VP, and I've gone over this on many occasions and probably five times in previous podcasts, well, I'll tell you again. The point of the VP, no one really, statistics have kind of shown, the ones I've read anyway, have shown that people don't really vote based on the VP. They vote on the candidate, okay? A VP usually is put in there to make people feel better about the candidate, okay? Um, but a VP is not going to swing you. It's not like people were like, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to vote John McCain, you know, I'm going to vote John McCain or whatever, and then all of a sudden it was Sarah Palin, and it was like, oh, no, not now. Um, you know, the people that are going to vote who voted him, but the point is that you pick a vice president who's going to bring something to the table. Now, in the case of, for example, when we looked at... Um, uh, you know, in, in recent history, um, we looked at uh, George W. Bush in 2000. Uh, his vice presidential, uh, you know, the, the, the nominee was Dick Cheney. Why? Because one of the criticisms of W. was that, you know, he was a little younger, didn't have a tremendous amount of experience. Yes, governor at one point, okay. But there was a lot of criticism about, well, you know, I mean, he's just getting the, you know, the only reason he's really getting this is because of his father, who was not only a two-term vice president under Ronald Reagan, but then also was president himself for a term. Um, but when he picked Dick Cheney, I mean, Dick Cheney's been around Washington since almost the time of Washington. Uh, you know, tremendous experience, tremendous connections. And the whole thing was, well, okay, listen, yeah, this guy's younger and maybe he doesn't have the most experience, but the bottom line is he's going to have a mentor who knows all this stuff, has been around through multiple administrations, is, is going to set him on the straight and narrow path. Fine. Okay. Uh, Barack Obama did the same thing. 2008. Again, young, uh, you know, senator. Not a whole lot of experience, but enthusiastic. And he picked Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, again, uh, has been around in politics for decades he has it. My buddy and I always joke around that, you know, Biden knows most world leaders on a first name basis. OK, he's got that Rolodex, the old school Rolodex. And if you don't know what that is, if you're too young, go look up a Rolodex. OK, and it'd just be like, you know, all right, uh, give me, you know, Abdullah. No, no, King Abdullah, for crying out loud. Put, put him on the phone here, you know. And it's like, hey, listen, tell him Joe's calling. That's all. You know, we always joke around. Yeah, it's, it's, tell him it's Joe on the phone. They'll know. So that was seen as like, okay, you're, you're balancing things. Um, 
you know, with McCain, he was older. Some people saw him as potentially a little sickly. And so getting Sarah Palin, she was younger, you know, female, you know, from uh, a governor, um, you know, of a, of a state in the West. Um, you know, it was it was kind of like, oh, OK, well, you know, unfortunately, <coughs> whoever was in charge of doing the vetting on Sarah Palin did an absolutely terrible job um, because there was just, it, it was, you know, I, by vetting, again, I, I apologize if I know probably a lot of you will know that, but the vetting is the whole where, you know, you, you look into the candidate and you have your people do a little research because it doesn't, you don't have to be perfect, okay? By all means, you don't have to be perfect. Um, you could have had a marital affair. You could have uh, had, uh, you know, a DUI. You could have, you know, done, you know, something else, in the past, you know, you said something, you put something up on the internet. It's not so much that they're worried, but they want to know it so that they can they can prepare. Because the last thing you want to do, okay, is the last thing you want to do is you want to you have your person, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you find out that this person, you know, had been busted two times for cashing fraudulent checks, okay? Um, that's bad, all right, that's bad, and it, it, amazingly enough, it gets overlooked, it gets overlooked time and again, you, you just, you know, it's amazing, you would think, oh my goodness, you've got someone that's going to potentially be, you know, the number two in the country, you think they'd be able to find everything out about that person, but no, then you find out that, you know, oops, they were, (laughs) they fathered a child, you know, with a mistress, uh, you know, off on the side. I mean, you know, again, these are things you need to know about before you decide to pick someone as your vice president because, you know, if you're actually running, that's the damage comes when you're running and it's the actual campaign and all of a sudden, you know, they find out that you had X, Y, or Z and then all of a sudden it becomes a major issue. It's on the front page of the news. How can we trust this person? And it makes you look foolish. Uh, you know, Sarah Palin, unfortunately, um, they did a very poor job vetting her. And, uh, you know, I think she definitely did some damage to the brand. Um, but I still, I still don't. And people debate me this all the time. Well, you know, McCain might have won if not for her. I, I don't think so. I think that the, the, the movement, the motion was really going with President Obama. Well, with then-candidate Obama, Senator Obama. And, um, you know, I just think that that would have carried it through. Maybe it would have been a little closer had he picked someone else. But, you know, again, that's neither here nor there. So right now, Joe Biden has a difficult decision to make. Who is he going to pick as his vice presidential candidate? So, like I said, uh, the only thing we know for sure is that he has, he has put himself in a position where he has to pick a woman because he said he was going to. Fine. There are outstanding female candidates uh, up and down uh, the, the entire Democratic uh, Party line, and uh, any of them would make a great vice president. But now you have to start thinking, okay, what do I, what do I want to accomplish? Now, you could say, yes, of course, you know, listen, you just want the best possible person. Now, I get that. But you could have a couple of people where it's like, listen, you know, I mean, can you really sit down and objectively be like, Candidate A is better than candidate B. Can you really look at a couple of these people and be like, well, she's great and she's great, but she's a little more great than this one. I mean, you could 
picked certain things out, experience, whatever. What Biden's big issue is, is the following here. Biden is a one-term president. For the first time, um, well, I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. I cannot remember another scenario where a president ran with an understanding, if he won't say it, he knows it, an understanding that he's not going to run for a second term, okay? Um, Now, could he decide to? Uh, Of course, it's up to him. But pretty much everyone at this point is expecting that Joe Biden is going to, he's running to defeat Trump, that's the Democrats are pitching, and then in four years, someone else will be running for the presidency. He won't be seeking that second term. He's going to be too old. The stress of the four years on him is going to be terrific. It's going to be really, it, it does, you know, to guys that aren't old, it does a, a, a number on them. For him, it will be very intense. So you've got that going on. Um, so his vice presidential pick is basically going to be the person who most likely will be running for the Democratic nomination in 2024 if he wins. Uh, and so it's really, it's coming down to, it's like, you got to make a really, really a good choice. Now he's got people like Elizabeth Warren and she's kind of leading the way right now. Um, I know Amy Klobuchar, uh, has been getting a little bit of uh, the sound bites as a, of recent times, uh, Stacey Abrams, um, you know, she's, uh, uh, you know, the, the former candidate for the governorship of, of, uh, uh, Georgia, um, you know, and, and you want to ask, well, what are you looking for? Is he looking for a woman of color? Is he trying to send a message out? Okay. Because quite honestly, if you look at this election on the face, it's basically two old white men running against one another. Okay. You've got Trump and you've got Biden. They're both around the same age. And they're both, you know, like I said, they're both old white men. And America is a very changing country, uh, demographics-wise. It's changing. So I think that it would be really, you know, is he going to go with uh, Kamala Harris? You know, who is he going to pick? One of the problems is that most of the people that are on his list right now are senators, uh, which is a bit of an issue because one of the main things the Democrats are trying to do in this election, and I'll be honest with you, this is more important than even winning the presidency. Yes, I've said that, and I'll stand by it. The Democrats taking the Senate is more important for them than winning the presidency. Now, obviously, if they can do both, you know, Benny. But for the, the Democrats to lose, to fail to achieve a majority in the Senate, even if they win the presidency with Biden, um, Mitch McConnell, you know, will, will do what he does best. He will be like, okay, so I guess for four years, uh, you know, we're going to have absolutely nothing done because uh, he'll just sit on every single bill. And you'll for, you know, he'll force Biden to have to resort to um, executive orders, um, which will all of a sudden become bad again. You know, they were bad, now they're good, then they'll become bad again. Um, but that's not the way, I mean, that's not the way you should be governing. 
No one wants to have to have the president make it. I personally don't like it. I don't like it when anyone does that. Um, you know, sometimes presidents do it because they feel they're being, you know, handicapped by the Senate. Uh, but, you know, if, if the Republicans keep the Senate and Trump gets reelected, um, it will be an absolute nightmare for the Democrats, even keeping the House. Um, because, I mean, as far as the Supreme Court goes, um, I, I'm pulling for her just because I really like her. It has nothing to do with the political you know, side of things, but I don't know how much longer Ruth Bader Ginsburg can, uh, can continue. You know, she's been fighting every ailment that you can name and kicking their butt, but, uh, you know, she's, she's going to be out. And with the Republican Senate, you'll, they will rubber stamp anyone that gets sent to them for the Supreme Court. You'll have a nice little the hearing, and then it'll be like, okay, we're done, good, let's go to the vote. Okay, we voted along party lines. So by taking someone out of the Senate, you know, the worry is that, you know, it's like, well, we'll, will we still be able to keep that seat? What if the person who takes over for Senators Harris or Warren or anyone else, what if they're not as strong? And what if, for whatever reason, what if they lose the seat uh, and the Republicans get a seat back there? These are things to be considered, you know, and, and don't think that there aren't high-ranking Democrats who are considering it right now. So we've got that going on. And, um, you know, there's, there's also, you know, he's the, the knock against Elizabeth Warren, I know, is she's old, relatively speaking. She's older. People are like, well, you know, maybe you want someone who's younger in there, you know. I mean, Pence is not a spring chicken, but Pence is at least younger, okay? Um, you know, the real question is, do you want someone in there in case, God forbid, something happens? I mean, you know, it's it's fortunately been a long time since we've had a president, um, you know, something happened to them while they were in the White House, you know, serving their term. Uh, but it's always a possibility. And whoever this person is, this individual has to be ready to take over the drop of the hat. Um, it's a tremendous responsibility, Will this person be able to bring in votes? How will they complement Biden? Like I said, you know, the thing about, you know, it's the old saying, if you're from the North, you get someone from the South. You know, if you're a big state person, you get a small state person. Um, you know, you, you try and maybe get someone from a state that you think you might be able to, if you get that person, it'll make the big difference uh, in whether or not that state votes for you. <clears throat> Michigan. But, you know, there's, there's different things. And you also want someone who's going to be compatible with the candidate because you don't want it to seem like it's an awkward, you know, it's, it's kind of like you, you don't want to just take someone who, you know, random to the wedding, okay? If you have to, you take a friend of yours who at least you know you're like, all right, listen, I mean, we're not romantically involved, but at the same time, I know we're going to have a good time and it's, it's not going to look awkward or forced. And that's what you want. You want people believing that there's going to be a great working relationship between the two people. So, so that's where we're at right now. And, um, I, I don't know when that decision is going to be made. I would expect probably in the next few weeks, um, they will complete the vetting of the candidates and then it'll just come down to, okay, well, you know, who's he going to make the offer to? You know, and, and what is what is their, you know, they, they could accept, they could say they're not really interested, you know. Although, like I said, anyone going in for the VP right now for Biden is definitely looking at it as a stepping stone to the 2024, uh, you know, 
nomination. Um, absolutely, without question. Uh, by the way, just for a fun fact, if President Trump did lose the election, he could run again in 2024. Okay, He could have another uh, you know, bite at the apple, as the saying goes. Uh, probably not just because by 2024, you know, you're adding another four years on, he's already older. And that's why I say with Biden as well, I would be shocked, really shocked if Biden, uh, uh, you know, those of you, uh, hopefully, I'm still doing this podcast in 2024. Um, you know, it is growing, it is growing little by little, and we're getting into other countries now. I love it, you know, I'm excited. Um, in 2024, if, if uh, Trump runs, or if Biden decides to run for re-election, you can all come on and, and be like, ha you know, you were... You were wrong, Ash. You know, you were wrong. Wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong. Certainly won't be the last time. But uh, that's, yeah, that's where we're at right now. <coughs> and it should be a really, should be a really interesting next couple of weeks to see what happens. Like I said, you know, we, we are going to see if the Republicans are going to hold their, their convention in North Carolina. We're going to see if the Democrats are going to hold a convention at all. And we're going to see who the Democrats uh, select for their um you know, vice presidency, who Joe Biden decides to uh, tap on the shoulder in the Joe Biden way. Anyhow, um, I hope everyone out there is being safe, is being smart. Please remember that although, you know, we are, we are relaxing certain restrictions. I don't know, you know, I'm not being paid to to shill for the government here, and usually I don't. Uh, I'm just saying it because I like my life, and I want you know, as much as I do want people to start getting out and and start getting back to work and everything, you know, we can't have, like, some of this crap that I've been seeing, pardon my language, on, you know, the internets of, you know, all of a sudden people are partying in pools and beaches and they're, they're, you know, blanket to blanket and, you know, they're running around and it's just like, guys, you can't, you can't do that. You gotta be smart about things. You know, yes, go out there again, you know, go to the beach, but just Stay a little away from someone. No one's saying you can't. Enjoy it, you know? Um, you know, go, buy things, spend some money, help get, you know, things back up and running. You know, a lot of these businesses desperately need it, and I'm all for it, but just be smart about it, okay? Be smart about it. We don't need this thing coming back for a second, uh, you know, wave. Uh, fortunately, I think we will, but let's try and keep that to a bare minimum. We want to try and close out this first wave, minimum of casualties, whatever we can. So be smart, be safe. As always, any questions, comments, you know, you feel free to uh, either, you know, submit them on through the, um, through the app, through Apple, through Spotify, however you guys are listening to me. Um, also, again, my Instagram, at Antonius Optimus, after school history, the Instagram where I post every single day, a uh, new little tidbit about history, uh, also, for those of you in the United States, uh, I think it's at 8 tonight. Uh, they're doing a three-part miniseries on General, Ulyss- General and President Ulysses S. Grant, uh, one of my favorite characters um, in American history. Um, very, very much maligned in the past. Thankfully, they're starting to come around to realizing that Grant was not only possibly the greatest general that we've ever had, uh, but also was a, was a very good president, underrated president, okay, very underrated. Um, there's an excellent biography of him by uh, Jean-Edward Smith. 
go, you know, get it, pick it up, read it. Um, you know, but if you get a chance, I think it's on the History Channel. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be watching it. I might have to uh, record it and then watch it a little later, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, like I said before, take care of yourselves, and uh, hopefully I will talk to you again, same time, same place, next week. Bye-bye.